Hello again, everyone. Welcome to another episode of In the Ring with Acacia Clement. We're thrilled to be partnered with Qatar Racing. Qatar Racing is a subsidiary of Kipco, the largest sponsor in British flat racing. As a global racing and breeding operation, Qatar Racing Chairman Sheikh Fahad bin Abdullah Altani has created an expansive international sponsorship portfolio to include the Breeders' Cup and events like the Pegasus World Cup turf. Qatar Racing has over 100 horses in training, many mares and foals, and yearlings, and four top-class stallions. That's Cameco, Zustar, Havana Gold, and Lightning Spear. Don't miss out on the great Qatar Racing action and learn more at www.inthemoneypodcast.com slash Qatar. A big thank you for their support of In the Ring as we'll be doing a little bit of sales talk and also a little Kentucky Derby talk on today's show. We are getting closer and closer to the first Saturday in May. In fact, we are exactly a month away as I am finishing up all this recording on April 6th. Uh, so a month away until the Kentucky Derby. A lot of important prep races coming up this weekend. We'll talk a little bit about that and then some of the big ones and exciting things that we saw last weekend with big races like the Florida Derby and the Arkansas Derby. So we'll get right into it. Thanks as always for joining me on In the Ring. Thrilled to welcome in Jason Luch, racing manager for Alba Family Stables. You had a very big weekend with Angel of Empire winning the Arkansas Derby. Uh, Jason, first of all, congratulations. What a huge effort from that horse. Well, I really appreciate it. It was a really a, a memorable day, something that I'll never forget. Had some family and friends with me, and uh, it was something that was very special. And I tried to explain to my friends that went with me, this isn't normal. This is something that maybe <laughs> never happened again. So let's let's really enjoy this day and night. And uh you know, we'll get, let's get to Churchill now. <clears throat> a grade one is not an easy thing to accomplish. And we've seen a lot of success for Alba Family Stables, but like anybody that's been involved in racing, I know you also know uh, how difficult it is to succeed at the top. Can you talk a little bit about some of the emotions that go with such a big win like that? Yeah. You know, as you know, you've been in this game a while too, and it's, it is such an up and down game. I remember the first year or two I was in the game, Dale Romans gave me my best advice. He just said, you know, there's, there's going to be a lot of ups and downs in this game and you really got to enjoy the, the ups. And um, Saturday is one of those days that, you know, you just can't, you just cherish and appreciate so much because we, as horsemen, you know, how hard it is to win those kind of races because mm -hmm. it's, it's uh, tough. There's a, there's a lot that goes into trying to win a grade one and a lot of luck that's involved and obviously your horse has to be doing good. And for us to accomplish that goal, um, it's something that is is rare, it's hard, and then we're just so appreciative for it. He's now second on the Kentucky Derby leaderboard list behind Forte, and that, that Arkansas Derby really kind of propelled him, I think, into the, the conversation for a lot of people going into the Kentucky Derby. Um, I know, like many people, that's a win you're still searching for. Uh, can you talk a little bit about the excitement of going to the Derby with a horse like this? You know, um, it's I've been, I think this is our, our fifth or sixth time we've been in the Kentucky Derby. Um, and a lot of the times we've been, you know, we've qualified and we might be a 30 to 60 mm -hmm. one shot. And so you're excited to be in the Kentucky Derby, but in the back of your mind, you know, you have to have a lot of things go your way. And you really don't know how, if you're going to be able to compete and, and really have a chance to win and even hit the board. So um, I, my feelings have really changed this year. Hopefully we'll have three in the Kentucky Derby. Um, we'll see what happens this weekend. But I really am really confident that this horse, um, there's something about him. One, one being I know he wants to get, 
he can get at least a mile and a quarter. You know, he's proven that a mile and eighth to win a grade two and a grade one his last two outings, and he and he's not getting tired. He came back to the um, winner's circle, and he didn't even act like he ran a race. I was just surprised how fit he was and how, um, you know, didn't appear to take a lot out of him. So I was real excited about that. And um, as you, you know, we all know a 20 horse field, a lot of things got to go for, right for you, but I just have a tremendous amount of confidence in the horse. That at least he does want to get run that far. And that's, that's one of the obstacles that you have to face on Derby day. Yeah. The mile and a quarter distance will be a question for everyone. And he certainly seemed to have gotten the foundation at uh, Oakland and he was a horse that was sold for er, as a yearling for just 70,000, which, um, you know, sometimes we're, we're used to seeing in these big races, the big price tags. Can you talk a little bit about finding these, this horse and, um, yeah. was there always the hope for him that he'd be one like this? You know, we, um, typically we're, we're there the first week of the sale. It's a Keeneland September sale. And, um, I felt like as a group, you know, our goal was obviously we, we try to find horses that can get to the get us to our goal of the winning or getting to the Kentucky Derby. And I felt like we were a couple of horses short of, you know, it's a numbers game, right? You have mm -hmm. the more numbers you have, the better chances you have. And so I um, I asked my father in law if we could, you know, if I could look through books three, four and five and just see something if it if it, you know, met our qualifications that we could get and make a shot at it. And I just studied the pedigrees and um, got with our team and. And he went, went through all the hoops and I thought, you know, classic empire, probably it would be less money. A Pennsylvania bread would probably be a little less. And so um, we're just, we just can be more excited to, to get him for 70,000. Um, they don't know where they're born at. And they don't, so um, they, it's just, uh, you know, honestly, I'm not going to lie and say, you know, we knew this was going to happen. There was a lot of luck involved, but we, you have to give yourself a chance. And we thought that he met the criteria at least to get us to that, where he could go run the distance and that's ha and that's you know part of the obstacle you mentioned your father-in-law dennis alba who's he's put so much into the game too and um yeah. is somebody that's so easy to root for um uh, as well can you talk a little bit about the relationship and how you and and the rest of the team have continued to grow the stable yeah you know it's it's it was a, a you know we started at prairie meadows in 2004 and we're fortunate enough to um, we had our first horse we got was Miss Macy Sue, who's the not the name of Gleam's Map and not this time. And that really propelled us to like, wow, this is this is a lot of fun going to these mm -hmm. big races. And he, you know, when you only have a few horses, it's, they don't run once a month. Mm -hmm. He said, let's let's really take this to the next level and get started getting 10 or 15 horses, 20 horses a year. And, and with the with the goal of trying to get to the Kentucky Derby every year, let's buy Colson a few fillies and. He's uh he's been he's been great. I mean to think the the money that he's put into it, he has a tremendous amount of confidence in our team, how we do things, and, and really the best thing he does is he says yes to us a lot. So that's great. <laughs> and uh, and he but he, in all honesty, he's having the time of his life too. Um, uh, this is a lot of fun for him and his friends and our family. And that's the that's what people don't realize is that you know for us you know, the, the winds are great and, but experience this kind of stuff with your family and friends. I mean, yeah. that's, that's so neat and fun. And you, you've been there, you, you've been on both sides, you know what that's like um, when your family wins a big race. And it's just, it's something that you, it's hard to explain to people, but it's such a great feeling. It is. It, it really brings so many different people from so many different walks of life together too. And that's always something that amazes me and this, the relationships and the friendships you create along the way that one horse can bring for you. Yeah, it is neat. And this whole, you know, I, and I will say this about our industry. It's our industry is such a tight knit group, really. Mm -hmm. We, you know, we're, it seems like every, every race you go to, it's, it's the same people or, you know, people that you know throughout the country that are always there and, and they're rooting for you. 
if they even if they don't have a horse in the race and it's just so <laughs> neat to, to have the the friendships that you develop throughout when you meet people at the sales or the races or just different things to deal with the horse racing and it's just a, it's a great group of people and it's we just really enjoyed the heck out of it you mentioned not this time and he was a horse that you all had actually bred. And I still think was one of the most impressive two-year-olds I've seen race. And I, I wish we could have seen him race more, but what he's done as a sire now has really been just uh, astounding. Yeah, we, we, uh, that's one of those things, you know, you don't know until you really, so he gets, throws babies out and see how they run. And we're just, we just couldn't be more excited about his first three or four years uh, in the market and, um, we just had it last two years. We've had tremendous amount of, um, quality mares that we've really upgraded his book. And we just think the sky's the limit coming forward for him. You know, last year he had a couple of horses in the Kentucky Derby and mm-hmm. we thought epicenter was home free. And mm-hmm. get beat for last year. So there, we're, we're real excited about going forward. And, um, you know, I, and I told some people the story, maybe you've heard it, maybe you haven't, but it's, uh, he, he, I thought he ran and I'm one of the better Breeders' Cup races mm-hmm. not to win. And he got, he did get beat by Classic Empire. So I feel like we're getting a little turn. He's Classic Empire is helping us out for doing that. To us. <laughs> so A little be, revenge, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I love that. And, and I mean, can you tell me a little bit about uh, some of the support that you've given the stallion? Like you said, bringing some, some quality mares and, and what that yeah. process is like for you all. Yeah. So when we, when we detired, decided to retire, not this time, we mm-hmm. thought we, you know, we had to give the horse every opportunity we possibly could to succeed. So uh, we went to the January sale and bought 10 or 15 mares and just trying to, you know, match up the best they could. And we were lucky enough to, to, uh, we bred uh, Princess Noor. We bred, um, there's a couple other ones that came, the Keeney ride line has been really good that we bred and it's worked out really good. Simplification was one that we bred. And so we just wanted to, you know, give him every opportunity to succeed and we get him off and running and, um, we felt like we've done a, you know, a somewhat good job of getting that going. And now he's doing it on his own. Now it's, it's great. He's going to book um, around 200 mares this year. He had 240 last year. And so we just couldn't be more excited about the future of not this time. Of course, we all want to win those big races. And like you said, the experience of it is great. But can you tell me a little bit about some of the focus that goes into the breeding and buying side of things? Because that's really where it all begins. Yeah. As far as us at the sale. Yes. Yeah, it's, you know, it's quite a process. You know, you, you think about you're going there. Um, it seems like everyone that's in the business is obviously at the sale. So it's mm-hmm. it's very competitive, but you really got to stick to your guidelines and what you're looking for. And we've built a great team. You know, I got Barry Berkelheimer and Dale Romans and Kelly Von Hamel and some great people, Steve Castanola, and just some great people that really helped us identify what we're looking for. And, you know, we we do a lot of pedig- pedigree research and heart scans and the bottom line is those those trainers that um, we're going to send them to, they really got to like the horse because our, our philosophy is, hey, if you like it now, you better like it when it comes to you a year later. Mm-hmm. And, and Dale always says, if I don't like it now and you bring it to my barn, I'm going to have an excuse. And we don't want no excuses before we start. So right. <clears throat> it's really good. They, they really got to like the horse at the sale and that helps them give confidence. And um, we, we just have a good rapport and work together and we just try to find the best quality individuals. Has the goal each year been to kind of focus on looking for cults? Because as you said, it is a number game and you want to give yourself an opportunity. And yeah. and those are the horses that are the most competitive to try and buy. Oh, you're not a kidding. Yeah, but we've um, we've been really fortunate. We've teamed up with some really good people, West Point, sure. Castle Lions. We've had some great partners that really extended out trying to, you know, help us get 
quality colds because in book one and two it's you know i remember when we first started in, i think it was 2010 um we were buying colds for two hundred thousand, and those days are long gone now <laughs> in <laughs> books one and two so it's, it's it's doubled or tripled the price so you know like you like you said it's a numbers game so we're trying to get you know, we, we like to acquire 10 or 15 colds when you're saying that seeing what the averages are it gets a little tough and so finding some good quality partners to help us out get that numbers back up there we're we have a chance because as you know, there's a lot of injuries in this game. A lot of times you don't know, you know, you might think you got a great individual and then, and they just don't grow up to that next as a two year old. And, and so like I tell Dennis every year, we only need one of these 15 to pan out to help us mm -hmm. pay for all these. And that's, that's mm -hmm. been kind of our philosophy. And you're on a great ride right now with Angel of Empire. Um, and I know going to the Kentucky Derby is so exciting. What are some of the things throughout the sport um, maybe that you've hoped to accomplish, that you hope to do with the stable to kind of bring it to that next level, so to speak? Well, obviously, you know, we're, our, our goal is obviously to win the Kentucky Derby, like everyone's goal. And, and we've, we feel like we put ourselves in great position, you know, qualifying five or six times. And, and you know, now it's it's time that, you know, like this year is, is such a, I think a great opportunity for us that I think will be a top five favorite. Maybe we'll see what happens this weekend to, to really propel us to the next level. And that's kind of what we're looking for. Um, you know, it's, it's fun to participate in the Kentucky Derby, but it's, it'd be really fun to compete. And just one time I liked at the top of the stretch, just have a chance, you know, start screaming like crazy because that, that would, that would uh, just change the whole mindset. But, you know, that's our goal right now is we're just trying to get that next level. And I think we've had a, We've had a great winner, um, you know, winning a couple stakes and mm -hmm. having potentially three horses in the Derby. It's it's propelled us and given us a lot of confidence to reinforce what we're doing is right. And now we just need a little luck. Well, wishing you guys the best of luck. It'll be really fun to follow and uh, hope that you do get to have that experience in the stretch of the Kentucky Derby. Um, appreciate your time, Jason. Well, I really appreciate everything you do for horse racing. You do a Thank great you. job. And thanks for having really me on. Thanks a lot. All right. Bye-bye. Thanks. I'm so happy to welcome in Becky Thomas of Sequel Bloodstock and Sequel Stallions, um, hot off of a successful March sale and getting ready for the April two-year-old sale. Becky, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you, Acacia. Glad to help. Um, and as I mentioned at the beginning, you really have your hands in uh, in everything, so to speak, between uh, the consignment with all of uh, the strong two-year-olds that you bring to the sales with Sequel Bloodstock, not to mention the farm with Sequel Stallions. Uh, first of all, how do you keep track of it all? <laughs> That's funny. I think I'm very ADD, actually. <laughs> um, I guess I have. I've done it for a long, long time. I've had the farm in New York. Um, for 20 years and we, I absolutely have, you know, like an outstanding team of people at both places here. I've got my young assistant, Carlos Manresa, and, um, you know, that's been fun for me. Um, a lot of our staff are graduates of the School of Management Excellence in South Africa. And mm -hmm. so they're talented young horsemen that, are really motivated and um you know it's it's i think i'm a born teacher so it's it's still fun for me 
And it, it's so great to see uh, all the young people kind of coming up through their program, so to speak. And um, as you mentioned, uh, all hands on deck, so to speak, right now with the two-year-old sales in full swing and a strong March sale for the team, particularly with that constitution cult, um, hip number 574, who sold for 675000 I developed a little bit of a horse crush on him during the sale, and I know <laughs> I clearly was not the only one. Can you talk a little bit about that cult? Uh um, that is a fun horse because as you may, uh, you may guess in this day and time, just as there's a lot of buying syndicates on the buying end, when we buy yearlings, um, some, of uh, you know, some pen hookers that are familiar with each other and friends, we're all pretty much friends. I, I mean, like that horse was, was an interesting horse because I bought him and he was on Eddie Woods's list. And mm -hmm. so he sent me a text and he said, can Angela and I take a leg of that horse afterwards? And I was like, sure, because we all, I mean, how do we know, right? We just yeah. pick out horses that we like. And so Eddie, <laughs> no, and this is, I've got a horse with Joe Pickroll that I haven't seen <laughs> the day that we bought, you know, I bought a leg of his horse. Um, we all, you know, will participate if we can. And so Eddie still didn't even come look at him to the sale, I don't think. <laughs> but um, I had sent him some videos, but I loved that horse. And what's really fun about this horse, and it was a coincidental finding, is because we have the stallion farm and we're standing um, a couple of new stallions in New York this year, we have um, a broad base of penhurker slash um, breeder involvement because of the ownership. And in that particular horse, uh, keep me in mind, um, his ownership being Cypress Creek, um, that is that mare, Jungle Tail, was owned by uh, Chris Bakari's partners. And that mare is in full to keep me in mind. She had yeah. a beautiful New York bred bolt and is uh, was bred back. So when I saw her on the list of mares that were coming to keep me in mind, and I called Chris and I said, hey, by the way, I love, <laughs> I love this competition. So that's kind of a full circle kind of thing for us. Yeah. Yeah, that's so cool. And I mean, he just really seemed to have it all. Um, a, a 10 flat work. He had the physical as well. And Constitution, I feel like, of course, with Tis the Law, who I know is also uh, a horse that you had at the farm for a period too, that was kind of the big horse for him. But I feel like Constitution is kind of slowly kind of becoming a little bit of the under the radar type of buzz horse right now. Like it seems like he's continuing to get bigger and bigger even after having that big horse on the track. Oh, he... He is. I mean, the stud fee, as you know, is just continuing mm -hmm. to climb. And he just, you know, he's just a, you know, the, the thing that I feel like with the Constitution, and it's hard for me to actually get one bought um, yeah. because we, we, it's, you know, they're expensive um, and they deserve to be, but they have movement. They have just mm -hmm. really good movement. So sometimes the sales averages don't depict you know, what they're showing on the racetrack because they are a little bit like the gun runners and that sometimes that they're not as typey looking, but they all have really good movement. 
You mentioned that it was a, a bit of a pinhooking venture, and I know that not all of the horses you bring to the two-year-old sales are pinhook summer homebreds, but can you talk a little bit about the process of finding a horse um, as, as a yearling and bringing it to the two-year-old sales? Mm -hmm. So um, I've been a pinhooker for, gosh, so many years, and we essentially, you know, try to buy the best horse um, at somewhat under the radar because if we're buying the best horse with the best pedigree we can't afford that mm -hmm. and buying at the top of the market I call it reverse pin hooking I'm an expert at reverse pin hooking sometimes <laughs> <laughs> and we when we fail so we we um unfortunately vet a lot of horses we do a lot of veterinary exams we're all ready to play I feel like um, our veterinary involvement is mandatory because I just would don't want the risk of having something that you know it doesn't mean those horses are not going to be sound or not going to be able to run it just means mm -hmm. that you know for us we have to bring a horse to the sale that has gone through all the hoops and still you know that's just as if it was a yearling so mm -hmm. we a lot of times don't get to buy horses that are wonderfully successful racehorses so we eliminate a lot of horses on veterinary findings of just stuff that are not sales type horses for us to be able to resell but most of the time we just flat get outbid we just <laughs> we just we just vet a lot of horses and go up there like we're going to do something um but you know it's a long arduous process with trying to look at as many horses as we can. And, um, you know, we try to focus on, uh, you know, it's safe to buy them for a sire because there is not a uh, negativity about them on mm -hmm. the newer sires because they haven't been on the racetrack yet. And so we focus on the newer sires and then the older proven sires. Um, you know, it's hard, you know, we, we all... I feel like we're a bunch of lemmings as far as what the market is, but it's, you know, I breed to a lot of horses that I end up with a bunch of bubble um, sires because I'm a shareholder in those syndicates. Mm -hmm. And so I support those stallions in that way, but I don't try, you know, to, to get up in being too much out of safety. And so mm -hmm. we, you know, we, we will end up, you know, we will end up, you know, essentially vetting for each of the, like the first couple of days at Keeneland, I'll probably vet, you know, 30 head of horses each day. Um, and then it gets less as we go on because either physicals don't match because we have to be very picky on physicals too. Um, and it's, you know, it's, it's, it's just, a, you know, it's just kind of like, you know, we, you do a lot of work for hoping that you get something that you can resell. And on the other side of the coin, um, of, of course, as you mentioned, you also breed and you you bring horses to sales that you've bred. Can you talk a little bit about that and how maybe there's a little bit more uh, weight in those horses because you've really been with them right from the beginning? You know, um, I feel like because I only sell what I train. Mm -hmm. And so it gives me, I'm not an outside agent per se. I sell for the same people, what I call my friends and family, and there's no family in it. It's just my <laughs> friends become my family and the horse game. We, you know, become very close to certain people, but I, 
I carry like 40 to 50 head of mares at all times. Yeah. And it that is a lot of horses. Some That's of a lot. Them, yeah. <laughs> so some of them I breed in Kentucky and a lot of them I use to support our farm in New York to mm-hmm. where, um, you know, we, any of the signs that I stand in New York, those breeders can rest assured that I will have something that I hope um, will be good enough to go to the two-year-old sale and be able to keep that bubble year moving forward because you can have, you know, good weanling sales and good yearling sales, but all eyes are on the two-year-old sales mm-hmm. to see how fast they are, what they sell for, because that bubble year is where you get a full book or not. And um, so it, you know, it ends up to be, um, you know, a double investment. But I mean, for example, this year I, I have um, a share in Catalina Cruiser. Mm-hmm. And so I have, I bought one um, for a client and then I have two. One of them was a homebred for Mr. Broman that I've trained for for many, many years. And then one of them a homebred for Mr. Lakin and I, and so I felt really comfortable in um, breeding back on the bubble year, even though I'm a shareholder, the lot of the farms on bubble years will give the shareholders an extra bonus or sometimes two. And in this case, I felt really comfortable with um, being able to do that because I had trained the progeny and knew they were sound and were training good and both my Catalina cruisers were 10 flat. And so I, you know, felt really good on another sidebar with that though, Lucas, Lucas Thurstride Marquette, he, he and uh, Carlos and I uh, located through Michael Zlezak, a smaller agent that has worked really hard to be able to find progeny of jungle tan. We bought uh, what was originally a $135,000 Bay year and half to our constitution cold in Erie, Pennsylvania. And <laughs> it was a team effort. Michael found her. We bought her. Glenn Brock got somebody on a local van to be able to bring her <laughs> to Kentucky. And we all have this little part that we talked to Danny Gargan that originally had her. And he said, yeah, she was talented. And so that mare uh, went to Catalina Cruiser because Fine. I'm really good. So we have a lot of little intertwined things there. I love that. I love that. And I, I wanted to circle back to um, to Mr. and Mrs. Broman, anybody that's been um, following New York racing or has been involved in the breeding scene would be familiar with Chester and Mary Broman. And I, I know you've had a, such a longstanding relationship with them, sold some horses for them at March and several more coming up in April. Um, can you talk just a little bit about the, the bloodstock and the type of pedigrees that they've brought? Because um, being based in New York year round and getting a chance to follow those families, it's really incredible the legacy that they've created oh it's amazing I I pinch myself sometimes because I've been involved for so many years um I'm I'm involved as well as their farm manager Greg Falk um in the pedigree selection with Alan Porter um to where we select who the mares are going to go to as well as Greg and I are the ones that select which mares he, you can imagine his family's all, you know, reproduce. And so we will have what I call multiples. So we will have, you know, an aunt and a cousin and a, yeah. you know, a niece. And so we will, you know, 
remove some of those so that we're not so heavy into the same families. But the, you know, so many times that when you have one of his family do something, it is, of course, increasing the value sure. of two or three others. But um, it's, it is phenomenal. And he likes, you know, Mr. Broman's very, very involved. Um, he could not be more excited right now because he has with uh, Linda Rice, Arctic Arrogance, yes. that he is uh, going to run in the wood. He wants to go to the Derby and we are very excited for him to be able to do it. And Linda's on board for him to try to get some points so that he can go. And that mayor has a full sister that's going to Fazzy Tipton, Maryland. So, I mean, we, we all get to, we all get to root for so many different interests with his families because of the connections and, you know, and not just being, I mean, Mr. Like he let me, he was, he had a, some, he had a larger number of, of bear and mares this past year. And mm -hmm. so he was like, you know, I think we need to buy, you know, a couple mares. And I was like, okay. And so the only mare that we bought in January was the mother of Practical Move. Oh, so, wow. <laughs> well done. <laughs> so I know, I know. We just got so lucky. But you know what? He doesn't, we're, I mean, obviously Chad and Saul, those guys, did, you know, bred that horse and, mm -hmm. you know, did a phenomenal job of buying you know, we so we feel really, really lucky um, to be able to do that. So I keep pointing out the practical move. You know, he's going to the Derby. He looks really good. And he is really focused on his home bread. <laughs> you know, the go. So it's been fun. That is so exciting. And and especially in contribute, uh, contributing to the New York bread program, um, mm -hmm. I know that you sell quite a few of New York breads and just uh, with the Bromans and the New York breads that they have, Arctic Arrogance uh, is a New York bread too, I believe. And yes. um, just can you talk a little bit about what they've done for the program just with kind of their one single operation? Because the, the strength, I think, with the quality and the pedigrees that they brought to New York breads, I think is astounding too. It is, well, I mean, as you can personally attest to, I mean, we're so blessed to have yeah. trainers like Christoph and Miguel now to be able to say, gosh, the Broman breads, the, every one of the Broman horses are New York breads, yes. everyone. There is nothing that, and Mr. Broman, like Mr. Broman last year or the year before last, he was very committed to um, breeding and supporting Honest Mischief. Mm -hmm. um, he also is a supporter of Central Banker. He's not just like totally, we don't totally breed in Kentucky. Mm -hmm. um, he does breed, you know, to some stallions, but he, he literally, when you say single-handedly, it's, it's like, I look at, I look at those mares and I think, gosh, if I could, and just, just like being lucky, like who would have known that Practical no Move would have won, you know, the um, Sam was it the San Felipe like he did yeah. that was like oh my goodness that was like and of course we were rooting for Hajazi at that time and then when practical move when we got the mother I was like we better root for both of those <laughs> um but yeah I mean he uh he continues to add you know quality horses breed quality horses he races some himself and we have mm -hmm. some he went from being a total race operation to just to keep the numbers down because he is in his later 80s and he to selling everything. The only thing that we keep intentionally to race 
are those horses that may have some lingering, you know, veterinary findings that don't make them as good a sale horse horses. But he loves it. And quite a few selling for uh, the Bromans for sequel coming up in the April sale. Can you give us a little bit of a rundown of what we might see? Yes, yes, yes. He's got um in and because I feel like such a grandma because I've trained their mothers and their grandmas. <laughs> it's <laughs> like seeing your children go off to school on the first day, um, right? <laughs> it it is. And you know, so uh so we have a um we have out of orbit that's a city of light that I really like a lot that's in that sale. Um just a big tall leggy scopey philly that you know again i had out of orbit um we've got a um out of at, he raced out of orbit he raced held accountable held accountable has a vino um rosso that is a very quick a very favorable on vino rosso's um all of mine i mean we sold one in march for 340 there was a homebred for myself mark toothacre and mr lakin and that was uh, fun, but we have one of those out of his mares. We've we've had to uh, we've got another city of light cold out of a mare named Sprightly that he bought that we bought for him out of the Evans dispersal. That's a dam of a New York bread that he has. In fact, he has two lines of them uh, that's in the family. Pause for a cause. It's a dam. Uh, turn and burn he's got you know like I said I've got three generations yeah. of, of horses that we're training out of from the same lineage but um, we have a really I've put good horses in each of our three major sales this year because there was no Miami Fazzy Tipton mm -hmm. but Mr. Broman's also he's a big supporter of OBS but he's a big supporter of Fazzy Tipton he appreciates our sale at Saratoga um, he always likes to support support Boyd with having quality horses and the mother of Arctic Arrogance was purchased at the Fazic tip to Maryland sale for a mm -hmm. million dollars on Uncle Mo that he bought mm -hmm. from Fazic. So uh, we've got a stakes placed horse out of her and now Arctic Arrogance is a stakes winner as well as multiple graded states um, placed. So I mean he he's just a he's just a brilliant I just He's just a brilliant person. He really mm -hmm. is, but he, and he wants everybody to do well, but he allows us to, you know, to kind of make most of the decisions, but he's always right there, you know, to give his, um, like the practical move is by practical joke. Um, Mr. Broman is one of the original breeding right holders of Into Mischief. So I have bought that for him many, many years ago. And wow. he's the only one that still has it. Wow. <laughs> still has it. So that mare is um, being covered by Into Mischief. I would imagine that'll be a very fast horse. Uh -huh. <laughs> <laughs> that'll be exciting. And they're such easy people to root for, too. Um, oh. and, and as you said, they have quite a few going to April. Um, can, can you tell me a little bit about some of the differences in the March and April sales and which horses you think kind of fit and, and how you choose where to place your horses when the two-year-old sales season comes around? Mm -hmm. Well, OBS March, I mean, if you think of what happened years ago, I mean, OBS April was just the open sale. The sales to be in were the sales that started off in Miami mm -hmm. um, and then 
moved into March being a select sale. And then OBS, uh, and I am a shareholder of OBS and a, a big order of OBS, but we, uh, the directors made a decision to open up the sale to not be as select because mm -hmm. they felt like we were being compromised by numbers and by buyers thinking they were getting shut out of the market. So um, that sale being open, it is, they, they've got horses that are not select horses. And then they've got, you know, $2 million good magics. Yes. Uh, <laughs> So it is, it is truly, I think it might be um, a little bit harder for buyers because mm -hmm. it's not, um, you, you do have to look at a lot of horses, but I, you know, with their only, you know, being, you know, three major places to put. And of course, you know, June has become a major sale with a thousand head of horses at OBS. Mm -hmm. And now Maryland has opened up too. We don't, know exactly how that will be but for me I try to put good horses at every place that I am mm -hmm. I want buyers to know that there are horses there that are good and that's why I put them there um I don't I don't want to go to any sale that I just have marginal horses so Hence why we have some, you know, across the board, but I mean, we sold Chestertown mm -hmm. out of the OBS March sale for $2 million OBS. I mean, last year we sold, you know, um, um, into mischief coal for a million. Um, it, it is, it is a place where you, every buyer wants to be there. And if your horse shows up and your vetting is good, um, and your horse is at the end of the shank. Um, what a you know demonstrates quality and mm -hmm. is correct. I mean, you're going to get rewarded at any of these sales. So I can't say I really pick sure. except for except for horses that need more time. Um, mm -hmm. I'm not going to put that horse into mm -hmm. the early sale just because of the timing. Um, but yeah, I mean. You know, our two-year-old market is revolves a lot around speed. No matter yes. how spin it, it is it is a game of not the only factor involved, but it is a game of buyers want to see horses that are good movers, and for the most part, go fast. Mm -hmm. um, so that makes it, it's, uh, so I guess the answer to that is, you know, with the exception of a horse that needs more time, there isn't a difference for me what's in April or Maryland. I wanted to ask you a little bit about the farm in New York too. And you touched on keep me in mind being a new and exciting stallion, um, fire at will as well. Can you give us a little bit of insight on uh, some of the new stallions and maybe some of the, the, the buzz and what was appealing about them for you? Well, both the owners and principals behind both keep me in mind that we watched of course, very carefully because we, of course, privileged enough to stand Laoban. Mm -hmm. So Laoban moving and then, you know, consequently what, you know, his demise was right. really, really, really hard for us. So um, when the ownership group of Keep Me In Mind decided that 
they wanted to try to support that horse in New York again. They had a very good experience in New York. They are a very big breeding group. And like I said, I mean, you look at the mares that are coming, there's those, that group has a mare base of breeders in Kentucky that are their friends and um, supporters. On the other end, we've got, <laughs> we've got fire at will. I, I think that, I mean, Kirk Wyckoff is one of the most dynamic mm -hmm. owners, racers, enthusiastic breeders. I mean, he is so passionate and we've got, I mean, I've got horses for uh, David McCathan and Jody that mm -hmm. I've got horses for uh, Karen and Amy Dunn. I've got horses that are, you know, just people that are passionately in support of not just that horse, but of Kurt Wyckoff and what he's done. Three Diamonds is, you know, they've just come in and just continued to play, play in numbers, you know, and play and support. I mean, Kurt Wyckoff personally goes to so many of our local farms and purchases mm -hmm. these weanlings, yearlings out of the field. Um, he loves it. He has a fun time doing it. And so when you talk to um, like Chris Bernhardt from Hidden Lake Farm, here's a guy that he has bought horses, you know, from his field. He's like, well, I'm going to support him, you know, um, mm -hmm. farm manager of Waldorf for him, Kenny Toy. Um, yep, yeah, I'm breeding two mares. That guy has bought horses off of our farm. That's you know, cool. It is. It is really. It is really cool. And so it's been. I wasn't quite prepared to have two new stallions, mm -hmm. but because both of those ownership groups are very strongly tied to me for many years, um, it was like, all right, let, you know, if you guys and I, I personally am breeding, you know, a number of mares to both of those horses. I was glad in this year, particularly that I had a bunch of mares because it was like, how am I going to get something bought? Because it's, <laughs> it's bad. but yeah. They're fun, fun, fun guys. And I'm sure you've interviewed Kirk enough to, oh, yes. to know how passionate <laughs> he is. Yeah. And then you also have uh, the the stalwart, so to speak, with Freud. And he's just kind of like, uh, he's a legend in New York and just uh, runner after runner after runner. I call, uh, I call our farm the farm that Freud built. Uh, <laughs> I love that. Yes. I mean, he, uh, he's amazing. And then watching, I sent um, McGill a text the other day after therapist one year old. Yeah. Because it's like, oh my gosh, you know, I mean, and it's on all surfaces. Freud, I mean, he, I look at him and I think um, Tracy Egan on the New York Thoroughbred Breeders or New York Thoroughbred Fund Development mm -hmm. uh, website they've got um the sequel stallion new york uh, stallion show and i mean you don't ever think really about what you're saying when you're in those stallion shows because it's all just <laughs> but i must have said three times and he's 25 years old look at him <laughs> he is amazing and you talk every time barbara livingston comes to the farm she's like i can't believe that horse is 25 years old i mean he looks absolutely amazing everybody's like is he still covering i was like absolutely he thinks every mayor that rolls into the barn is for <laughs>
He's so cool. It's just incredible. Um, and, and it's really fun to watch him too. Number one, uh, it seems like a lot of people have um, so much fun naming his offspring yeah. too. There've been some really, really creative ones over the years. Uh, yeah, no, he, he's great. And he's, you know, he is a farm personality. <laughs> so uh, um, our farm manager has, because he, he is, the kind that wants to let you think that he's kind as he turns around and tries to bite you. He is not to, <laughs> he is not to, to be trusted, but he's, uh, he looks great. I encourage everyone listening to just look at, uh, that site and look and see what a 25 year old stallion looks like. It's like crazy. All right. He's so cool. I'm sure we'll see plenty more winners from him yeah. this year. Um, Becky, thank you so much for taking the time. Best of luck with the April sale coming up too. Oh, thanks so much. Talk to you soon. That wraps up another episode of In the Ring. Thank you so much for joining me. We'll have more content next week as, again, we inch closer and closer to the Kentucky Derby. The April two-year-old in training sale coming up uh, in Ocala for OBS. So we'll have a lot to discuss. Uh, as always, anything of interest, let me know. Send me a message on social media. Please feel free to share this um, episode and be sure to keep following all of my colleagues over at In the Money Media because there'll be so much good content, especially leading into the Kentucky Derby and Oaks. You don't want to miss any of that. So be sure to keep an eye on their social media channels and the In The Money Media newsletter. I'll see you next time on In The Ring. Thanks as always for joining me.